Broadcasting from everywhere and nowhere, the Misfit Crew at Southfleet HQ is proud to bring you the Dive Living Podcast. So, <clears throat> we went up to Refinery29 a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, to visit one of the senior like marketing executives with this company, and refi- who is the soon-to-be brother-in-law of one of the guys here at Softlead. And the reason we went to go to Refinery29 is that they are one of, if not the leading like women's lifestyle media organizations, you know, digital media organizations. They're like Vice Media for women, right? Um, and we went up there to, to just kind of have like a brain picking session with this guy. You know, what are these, these guys are the masters of their craft. Uh, we wanted to kind of learn from them in a, a you know, generic way. We're obviously, you know, not targeting like the, the same, same base of people. Um, one of the things that came up in conversation, you know, you were saying like, what is it about the Kardashians? Because I, I asked myself the same thing. You know, like, what is it about Kim Kardashian? You know, what has she done? That whole family, like, what? why are they famous, right? I'd like to thank Ray J for that. All right. So, <clears throat> you know, the thing is, is that I they, mean. they're the best at PR. And that, that was his thing. He was like, man, they're so good at PR, and they're so good at activating their base of followers. You know, why is that the case? Like, why do they have that base of followers? I think it's because, you know, as much as, as much as we don't like drama, like most people are, are brought are you know brought into drama. Most people are attracted to conflict. You know, even we did this this storytelling workshop, right? And like, what was yeah. what was one of the main things this guy talked about in the storytelling workshop was like the inciting incident. Yeah, there's yeah. you know people if you don't have if you don't have conflict in a story, like no one gives a shit about it, right? It's like cartoons it, these days. So, yeah. Oh my god, they're horrible. Our kids are fucked. Well, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. PJ Mask, just uh, don't save yourself half an hour. <laughs> I don't know. I, I really like Puff and Rock on Netflix. I like Octonauts personally. Octonauts is good too. I only watch Archer. Uh, no, fair enough. <laughs> that's my only cartoon. Well, if that if that's your if that's the if I that's just the use it as a base bar for my you, life. Like I just watch an episode and that's nice. But so here's just to finish the story because I think that this is actually universal. When we were up there, this guy that we went to go see, Jeremy, he was like, hey, so check this out. Valentine's Day is coming up, and, you know, Kim Kardashian's releasing this, like, fragrance, you know, some perfume or something. And what she did was that she sent it out to, like, all the editors of these magazines, and it was in this, like, giant chocolate heart. So, like, you had to, like, break the heart. You know, he's like, it's kind of cool. You open the box, and it's immediately engaging, right? It's like, like a puzzle, whatever. He's like, but on social media... What she did was she was like, hey, I'm coming out with this new, like, love fragrance or whatever, and I'm sending one to, like, all the people that have ever talked shit about me, and she shows, like, this list of people that she's sending it to, and it's easy on the surface to be like, whatever, fucking drama, blah, 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 but, dude, you could pick any community, you know, including the veteran community, and if you made a post that was like... Dude, I'm coming, Derek Carver. I'm coming out with like this new fucking t-shirt, new protein t-shirt. supplement or new T-shirt. <laughs> and by the way, 
the fucking first ones are going to all these fucking eight people, and here's the list that I'm going to show you, all the people that ever fucking talk shit about me. You know that that would be an engaging post, man. You know that people would be like, fuck yeah. Like, either people are going to be like, fuck you, dude. Those guys are awesome. Or other people are going to say, yeah, like, fuck those guys. You're right. Like, it, he was, you know, he came out and said, hey, man, this is, think about what she's doing, like, and how engaging this is for people, right? And even though we look at it and be like, oh, it's bullshit. Who gives a fuck about fragrance and a fucking chocolate heart? The fact is, if you kind of break it down to, you know the base level of what she's doing like it's fucking genius well yeah so. they, they've created they've created a soap opera literally a scripted life that yeah. people engage with from a drag it's like tune in next week for my kardashian stories you know but engaging with those stories involves following them on social media purchasing their products like being financially invested with them yeah man so but on top of that like i think that one of the things that really sets the Kardashians apart from most people, and this this is, it's going to sound ridiculous, like I'm getting on my knees, but like it's it's, uh, it's something I've observed with you, Aaron, which is like those guys, their flash to bang with regards to idea to execution is fucking vanishingly small. Yeah. Like they'll come up with an idea that sounds legit, and like immediately they're making like they're setting out the 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 forces to execute that idea, and they. So they might have bad ideas. They've got a billion bad ideas, but then they've had the app with the in-app purchases that makes them a fucking billion dollars or whatever. And all of those successes far overshadow the failures because the failures have a finite amount of money and time you can lose, right? We invested a million dollars in this. We invested some time. It fucking failed, whatever. But then that one hits and it goes huge. But it's because they're not afraid to diversify and go into a bunch of different stuff. And the same thing with Aaron, like Aaron will tell me like, hey man, we're gonna do this, like I'm thinking about doing this thing. It's cool. 99% of the people that I know tell me that. And like six months later, it's like, hey man, what about that thing that you told me about that was super cool? Oh, we're still working on it, man, trying to figure out the kinks, you know, figure out which way to attack it. No, with Aaron, it's like a week later, he's like, here's the freaking mock-up, man. <laughs> Thanks, like dude. Chinese are all spun up. We're <laughs> making it right now. It's like, so that's pretty cool. But that's that's like the critical element in a lot of respects for them. They've got the PR, but they also are not afraid to just like go after every yeah, little well, last thing. Like yeah. fragrance, like white, like Hey like, man, you gotta take those chances, and when you fuck it up, cut your losses and move on to the next thing, and you know, not get, uh, you know, not get like hampered down on, you know, oh, we fucked this up. But but then again, don't and, don't forget how the Kardashians a, got their start. Are we in a fucking vault? We are in a bank vault right now. Yeah. Vault, yeah. Okay. Um, an old bank vault. Yeah. And uh, with that, yeah, welcome, <laughs> welcome back to another episode of the Dot Living Podcast, brought to you by Softleet. Along with uh, Leupold Optics, Freedom Munitions, and uh, our friends over at Combat Flip Flops. <laughs> Today we have with us Derek Carver. Derek, welcome to the show. Thanks. Glad to have you here. Appreciate you making the drive up in the snow, the uh, the springtime snow in the in the <laughs> southeast. Wasn't that bad. It was light flurries. It was nice. It was relaxing. Yeah, but you know how it goes in the southeast, man. You know, it starts snowing it's like a little everywhere bit. Like everywhere, we've got. I mean, Gore was right. Global warming's fucking up the environment. It's still snowing in springtime. Oh, man. Uh, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> Are you sure? We could go on a, a conversation about the Kardashians or something, too. Right. Yeah, well, let's stick to the Kardashians. 
uh, you know, the whole the weather versus climate change. Yeah, no, a, this is this is awesome. I like the building. I didn't realize it was like this. So I pulled up and it was like uh, a classy a classy thing going on. I didn't expect that from our kind. Yeah, of we're uh, you know we're 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 taking the the level of classiness in the building down a notch. I would say. But they haven't kicked us out yet. So. We're the only people wearing T-shirts and like flip-flops, and everybody else has got like business suits on. And yeah, like, looks we, nice. We uh, we were asked to make a building-wide apology uh, <laughs> at, at one point in the not too too distant past. Was so that for the, was that for the pistols? That was for the cert pistols. The cert pistols and, uh, <laughs> and giving giving away clothing that had images of uh, firearms on it. And this was so. not too long after I witnessed a man walking down Main Street with an AK-47. Yeah, man. Uh, so, well, look, we'll tell the story. <laughs> I mean, now it's just like I'm worried we're going to hurt people's feelings. So, no, let me let me back up a little bit here, kind of set the f- the foundation for this. Um, this is this is this is like a multifaceted story going on here. Um, we at the time were getting ready to move warehouses. And so a lot of the excess, like, old inventory for clothing that we had, we basically had, you know, these, like, onesie, twosies, you know, like, stuff that we didn't really have enough to, like, put on sale or put on the website. And really but, odd sizes. Yeah. Like, size 40 board shorts and 28 board shorts, like. Yeah. I'm like, I don't even know we even made shit like that, you know, like. <laughs> <laughs> like I think how, most men are firmly between, like, 32 and 36. Like, yeah. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> but, uh. Yeah, we get we get this stuff shipped to the office. My feeling was, hey man, let's promote some goodwill in the in this building. And uh, for everyone out there, you know, we work in a, in a co working building, so we're in this big building, and it's a number of different companies. Uh, it's a pretty cool space. Like everything's month to month. We're one of the seven Google uh, entrepreneur hubs in the country. So there's a lot of awesome energy in the building, you know, like young companies, like startups. It looks like it, it looks like this is what I imagine Microsoft would look like if you had like a bunch of ex-military and meathead dudes walking around with tattoos. <laughs> like you'd get stared at by all the fucking nerds and techs. Like that's what I imagine is going on when we walk by. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Where a little you, bit. There's a little <laughs> bit of that going I mean, on. We're, we're used to I it now, I guess. But uh, so my thinking was, hey, man, we've got all this extra clothing why don't we give it away to the people in the building is like a goodwill thing, right? So we did it once, and I was blown away. Like, I was like, hey, man, you know, send out an email to the building listserv. There's all this free shit in the, the Google lounge on the third floor. And the locusts descended. <clears throat> Dude, it was like within three minutes, you know, <laughs> fucking shit was gone. We had we had a bunch of hoodies that we had mis- that were misprinted. And it was like we're not we're never gonna sell these. They were on the wrong the wrong actual sweatshirt. Um the ink wasn't exactly what we wanted it to be. It was just kind of a miscommunication with the printer. So we had like a hundred hoodies and they were gone in fucking three minutes. So it was like, wow, like, and this is kind of cool. You know, like, now there's all these people walking around the building in, like, soft lead hoodies, right? I'm like, this is pretty rad. Yeah. <clears throat> so the next thing we did was give away a bunch of board shorts. Some of those board shorts were the Hula Girl shorts, mm-hmm. which, you know, if you remember, have, like... I rock them all the time. Yeah, the staggered print of, like, the Hula Girl Hold with that there. AR. Um, at this same time, <clears throat> we had just begun this experiment. Um called the well what we were calling the turtle experiment which is a ripoff of this like 1980s wall street thing so 
continue to go down like the different rabbit holes. In the 1980s, these two hedge fund guys out of Chicago, Richard Dennis and uh, I forget the other guy. I think Stan Druckenmiller was maybe his partner. Anyway, they had this argument about what does it take to make someone into a really successful trader? Is it this like je ne sais quoi, like this innate quality that you have to have? Is it a talent thing or a skill thing? Like could you teach people to do it or can you only teach people that have the talent already? And they went back and forth on this. Richard Dennis had just come back from a trip to Asia where he'd seen them growing these like turtles, I think for turtle soup in a vat. And he was like, man, I think we could grow, basically like make traders the same way they're like growing these turtles in a vat. So these guys put together this like wager, almost like fucking trading places style, right? Like One dollar, Mortimer. <laughs> exactly. The usual wager. And uh, they interviewed all these people. They put out like an ad in the newspaper and they got, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of applicants. And the ad in the newspaper basically was like, answer these three questions and apply to this like trading program. And they took people from all different backgrounds that had never been in like finance before. So, you know, no experience whatsoever in financial markets. And they got these 20 people whittled down. They did like three or four months of like intense training classes with these people. And <clears throat> over the next 10 years, like most of them went on to be successful hedge fund managers. The top eight made like like $10 billion over the next 10 years. Like, I mean, in the first year, they made like a billion and a half dollars. I mean, it was, they fucking knocked the cover off the ball, right? And for us, when we received an email from a customer, this is around the same time that we're giving all the fucking clothes away. And this is getting like kind of convoluted. <laughs> and ultimately, there is a point to the story. <clears throat> We received an email from a customer who was like, hey, I've been doing the softly shooting program for six months, and in that time, I've only been to the range twice to do like live range days. Now, this guy had, you know, has a shooting background, so it wasn't like he started from scratch, but he's like, in that six months, I've only shot two live days, and I went and took second in a three-gun competition. Like, the sh you know, the dry fire aspect is awesome. So that was like, man, what if we could get people from the building who have never shot before to run three months through the fucking shooting program and then we'll take them to the range and run through a bunch of different like classic drills like El Presidente or something like that. You know, we'll do, you know, we don't even need a baseline because we know if you've never shot a pistol before, what does it even matter? And we we sent this email out calling for applicants to the, the building and we got like a hundred people asking to be part of it. Huge I mean, an overwhelming response that people wanted to do it. And uh, Doug was here at the time. He kind of like spearheaded it. He started we, sobbing sadly to himself. <laughs> we selected quietly by his desk. Yeah, we selected six people, and the deal was basically like, come by the office, our office, for ten minutes a day, and Doug's going to run you through these drills, and we're going to use these cert pistols, these like laser pistols for dry firing, um, in the office. Well. And they're purple and pink. You know, they yeah, look I mean, like yeah, like it's, it's, it has a laser that goes onto a it target, look, it right? Looks and like it a, registers it how you shoot. It looks like a firearm, right. but it's like bright purple. So yeah. it's like okay, it could be like a kid's gun. Yeah, I mean, okay. I wouldn't, you know, pull it out and point it at a fucking cop. Yeah, but like, I mean, I wouldn't do that with an orange fucking gun. Yeah. yeah. Um, in <laughs> any event, my fingers at this point. At this time, we're giving away the clothes, and um, we get a knock on the door from the building management and uh, one of the guys in the building manager was like, hey man, like need to talk to you, you know, blah, blah. He's like getting some complaints, 
about the cert pistols um, and giving away the clothing with like the rifles on it, you know, fetishizing. Um, Somebody's feelings got hurt and was triggered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so basically, we were asked to kind of write an apology to the building. <laughs> now, now in the meantime, did you I take say, it serious? Uh, we, yeah. did, we did take it seriously. We yeah. like we like being in the building, and I want to be uh, a good citizen of the, the 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 company you know environment here. Um, so we did write an email apology to the building. We got lots of responses that were super like we like having you guys here. I don't know why people would have complained. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah, you guys bring um, like an interesting element to the building. Like this is a big melting pot. Like lots of positive feedback. And this was the this was the impetus for us doing like a we called it whiskey and war stories, even though there wasn't really whiskey or really war stories. Um, but basically, kind of like a. Brent came out. We had um, Brian and John Dill and uh, George and uh, who else? I think that was it. Or Rob, maybe. Rob was here. Yep. Yep. Um, and Brent kind of led a panel of discussion with like probably like thirty people from the building came, and it was just you know kind of like a bridge the gap type of event. Like talk about your time in the military. Like again, we didn't really get into like anything too heavy, um, but. I think everyone that came like really enjoyed it, and afterwards, you know, we we got like a lot of people saying like that was awesome. Like I didn't know anything about the military before, or, you know what what it's like, you know, et cetera. Um, and you know, for us, I think it's actually cool. Like, and we think, you know, this is one of the reasons we're in a building like this, and this is one of the things we want to do is is not keep like the veteran and civilian cultures like totally segregated. We are trying to bridge that gap a little bit. And so for us, we actually feel pretty good about that. Um, one of the guys that complained about the fucking shorts and the cert pistols, um, it turns out was a uh, like rights for like a bunch of like Marxist like like websites. Imagine um, that. Like literally one of them was like communism today or yeah, something. Yeah, no. Like that. Yeah. And the dude spent like six fucking months living with FARC rebels. <laughs> so there's like pictures of him like I'm like, man. Listen, I you know what I will I will even respect the like anti gun stance if that's if you're all like hey man I don't think anyone should have guns like can, if you live that life if you live that life I can respect you that own opinion it, but if you're out there just if there's pictures bitching. of you with like fucking FARC rebels and you're like holding an AK forty seven it's like mm, I don't know man um, there's an agenda it's yeah bullshit like, it's you know bullshit. well that's why I brought up like the uh, so there was yes a, please yeah so there was a, a there was a time when all of the uh, Confederate statues were being pulled down, oh, yeah. which is fine. Like I, I, I'm not going to say Whatever, my opinion yeah. one way or the other on that. But you know, people were getting really riled up about like the possibility of retaliation from the Klan. I say that with quotation marks. Well, they, said was like, like, they said there's like six million of them. Right after the Charlottesville rally, like it was. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, was a tense, tense moment. It was a tense yeah. moment. There was some Confederate statues here in downtown Durham. One right. of them got pulled down. So, anyways, there was a rumor that. At the bar, like right down, like really 50 yards from this building, there was going to be a Klan rally at noon. Well, not at the bar. Like in front of the bar. There was going to be a Klan rally somewhere in the in the city, and people were organizing an anti-rally. Yeah. Oh, okay. I heard about that. It was an anti-rally. So there's a right across the street from that bar, there's an empanadas place. It's fucking delicious. So Aaron and I I decided, Aaron and I decided (laughs) to like, 
just go, go eat lunch. Eat eat. There's picnic <laughs> tables outside. We're gonna eat empanadas, <laughs> chorizo empanadas, and watch <laughs> the anti clan rally. People watch, man. Yeah, yeah. You know. uh, that's a perfect way to kill an afternoon. On a so Tuesday, right? a large and on a side of the story is I'm wearing a Nordic Components T-shirt. And the T-shirt says Nordic in huge letters across my chest. <laughs> so I was was not dressed for the occasion. So th- there's a large, large group of people that are gathered in front of this bar. We're about 20 meters away across the street. And this uh, biker drives by that has, like, obviously this, like, the sort of dude that these people are like waiting for, right? He's got his shaved head and he's got a Confederate flag that's probably about the size of like a paperback book. So I think it was, the back I think it was bigger than that. I thought the Confederate flag, as I remember, it was like shoulder to shoulder, you know, like huge, huge patch. Um, but yeah, it could have, it could have been. I mean, I, I don't remember. So a biker rolls in. A biker rolls in and he's gunning it. You know, he's trying to be antagonistic, no doubt. Um, and he's kind of slow rolling around this people, and, and he's got to go into the incoming lane because there's so many people standing outside of this yeah, bar. Yeah, I mean, there's there's like 150 people standing outside this bar, so the whole yeah. sidewalk's taken up. They're into the street. So th- they're driving by, and we're kind of like wondering what's going to happen. You know, we're sitting there. I've got my mouth full of fucking <laughs> empanada. And we're like 100 feet away. We're yeah. like literally on the other side of the street, right? That's legit. So this dude, this <clears throat> skinny guy, tall guy, walks out of the crowd. So the guy with the uh, w- with the motorcycle has essentially stopped. He's slow rolling along. He's, he's past the crowd about 20 feet, and he's slow rolling along. Everyone is screaming at him. They're hurling things at him. He's screaming back. This guy steps out of the crowd with a black furniture AK-47, unloaded, he reaches into his pocket, he jams a magazine into it, like pulls back the bolt, chambers around, and points it at the dude and is like, get out of here. And at that time I looked at Aaron, I was like, hey brother, it's <laughs> time to it's time to leave. I could not believe like, <laughs> uh, it was the it was the 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 anti Yeah, the anti people had the rifle. Had the rifle. And same the, people that show up to anti gun rallies are out there cheering so, for so the dude with the That's kind of the that's kind of what we're going. And well, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Good. Well, so no, I was just saying, like, so yeah, you 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 tell your side of the story. Well, I am just blown away. I mean, listen, dude, man, just racked like, an AK forty seven in the middle I've, of Durham. I've never been in combat. <laughs> I you know I've been I've never been in a situation where I've seen someone load a rifle that isn't been like at the gun range, right? right? Um, and I was blown. I'm like sitting there, and it's like, man. I cannot believe this dude's standing in like a fucking crowd of people and no one like this guy fucking puts a magazine in and like racks this bolt back and as antagonistically as one could do it. Like right. I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah. now it's like and and he's riled up. Right. So it's like, dude, I don't know who this dude is. Like, he, you know, this is how like an ND happens easily. Right. Oh, even yeah. if, even you, if you're not trying to be. We've all shot an AK-47, right? In order to rack around, you got to put that bitch on fire. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's on fire with the round in the chamber. It's an AK. He's standing in a crowded group of people. He's a, away from a little bit, but he's literally on the center know, man, line. There's some people like there are at least a dozen people within five feet of this dude. Yeah, yeah, that's what I see in and my head. A dude taking a couple, like in fucking gladiator he's a step style. Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, the hair on the back of my neck is like standing. You know, it's like I'm, I am kind of like I do not want to get accidentally shot by this guy. Yeah, right. And Aaron looks um, at me and is like, 
hey, man, you're the Green Beret. Like, what do we do? <laughs> and I, was like, I was like, well, what we do is like we walk inside, we get out of the line of fire, and we continue to watch and eat our yeah, empanadas. I was like, I, like <laughs> put and something now between me your phone out, right? Like, well, I mean, and I, you know, I was taking photographs uh, with my phone, and I did later the on, fucking show up. The police no. blocked off the street. Well, so there's cops like down the road. Like, there's just yeah, yeah. But the thing is, is that I could not believe. I mean, when I looked at Brian like that, I was like, man, like, am I freaking out for no reason? You know? Like, no, that's like real life. Holy shit! But, yeah, yeah. And so, what I couldn't believe was that other people are standing around. Like, if you're standing in a crowd of people and a dude whips out a fucking AK-47 that you don't know, <laughs> and like fucking racks around. Are you just and like, then points it at somebody. Yeah, you just like chilling. You know, like you don't walk away. You don't run away. Like you just kind of like fucking hang. Like oh, you don't hit him in the fucking face. It's cool. You know, like he's um, on our side. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I would think even even if that dude is on your side, you, I don't would be like I don't want to be fucking standing next to this guy. Well, would right? everybody like, there if he had fired been an accessory? I have no idea. I don't know the legality of it, but. Let's say was, let's say someone else was well, let's say the one of the bikers was like fuck that and I, like, I'm gonna shoot at that dude I don't want to fucking get shot and they would have been legal too right? if that dude had pulled out a gun and shot at him he would have been self defense uh, I, I, I don't, don't know again we're not I'm, lawyers yeah but but yeah if he had pulled out a pistol and started shooting into that crowd and they had returned fire and it's like a literal gunfight on the middle like With the gunfight would have started because around. the antagonism of the dude like pointing an AK-47 at that guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was the escalating factor. Shit. And so no one yelled rifle. No one yelled <laughs> gun. No one yelled anything. As a matter of fact, it seems like... There was, like, a, no reaction. Were they it yelling, shoot? To, it, no, I, I didn't hear that, but but I, I definitely... They they seem more emboldened now. Oh, yeah. Like and, and then they're, like, waiting, like, if anybody else shows up, we're prepared kind of thing. So... I tell that story because we came back in the office and that day we were getting email after email after email on the office-wide listserv saying there's going to be this rally or the rally's been moved or the danger has passed or whatever. People were like leaving work early that day so they didn't get caught up in whatever. But at no point did anyone say anything about a guy with a rifle. And there were people from the building. Like, I mean, I saw people that I recognized from the building. In the crowd, right? And my my point to the guy, you know, the guy from the building management that came to talk to us was like, I don't know if it's the same people. I mean, I, you don't know. No one knows. But you can't get upset about us having shorts with a picture of a rifle on it, but be totally cool with a fucking dude standing <laughs> in the middle of the street with a yeah. fucking loaded AK-47. Antagonizing but the biker totally with are. AK. And that's what's fucked up about America right now is nobody gives, like, the only people's fucking rights that matter are your own. You don't give a shit about anybody else's. Well, that's what's annoying about it. And just like in being in at, being at Softly in the office, like I mean, I totally kind of work. Was, I, I would take a job here just to work in this building. By the way, well, it was just more <laughs> of a. And here's the thing: like, well, like you said, we love, we love, we love most Your of the people in this building. Sucks. He's intimidating with one leg. I don't want to be reminded of like actual war problems. We love being in this building, but we were just a little bit nonplussed with the hypocrisy about it. <laughs> yeah, but I w- but I will say, yes. To reiterate, I, we really like being in the building, and when we did send out the apology, you know, we got. 
probably 80 emails from people being like, that's bullshit that you guys had to apologize. Like, we're really glad that you're here. You guys bring, you know, like a different element to the community than almost anyone else in the building. So I, I don't want to make it sound like we're the fucking outsiders and everyone here fucking hates us. Because yeah. I don't I don't think that that's no. the case. No, it's totally like the environment doesn't feel that way either. Everybody minds their own business and gets along. The guy was talking to me at coffee. He said, you guys doing your podcast again? I'm like, yep. He's like, enjoy. So, I mean, I don't think that reputation exists, but it is funny to see the contrast between like. I, f- I could feel the difference walking down the hallway when we were all walking in to do this and everybody's sitting there on their computers and Macs. And, I mean, it was cool. I've never seen it in real life, but it's, you know, we're, we're very what it looks like on TV. They're all just, all, all the <laughs> girls are just camping out, hoping they see John Dell. Right. Like, is there John Dell going to be here at the <laughs> podcast? We're no. very hip. Yeah, one of the girls in uh, one of the offices upstairs was like, this was a while ago, she was like, yeah, we should do... Uh, we should do like a movie night with our company and softly. <laughs> I fucking guarantee you, man, that she was not she was not talking directly to me oh, about, about that. She was talking about so, the beautiful Chris Van Ray. No, exactly. John John outdoes me by mm-hmm. far. So. Yeah. so did we did, sure. did we agree to that? And when is it? <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Movie Sunday, Sunday, yeah, Sunday. And what are we watching? <clears throat> so, man, I do want to do a softly movie night. I feel like a lot of the. Uh, the younger softly kids haven't seen what I consider to be some pretty fucking classic movies. What's younger? Uh, let's say like under thirty. Okay, who's under thirty? This is all like not a me. Big, big no, I'm not news. under thirty. Aaron is determined, determined to sit down and have everybody watch True True Romance with him. I don't understand. <laughs> it's like I've never. I'm seen trying it. to make. I no I'm idea. trying to make your life better. All right. True I, romance, I watched the Notebook. But like, that's about as movies. No, no, as I get. no. True Romance is not a fucking chick flick, man. It's a Tarantino movie. It's a Tarantino okay. movie, and it is my number two favorite film of all time. Behind what? Behind Casablanca. Oh my think, God, Casablanca, oh my God. dude! It's a classic. I don't think I've ever it's the black and white version. It's, dude, it's good for its time, man. Isn't Humphrey like Bogart. I don't know if they have a colored, colorized version or not. So it's the old one. The old one, yeah. God, it's such shitty dude, acting. No, 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 no. Americana. Humphrey Bogart's the biggest fucking pimp in the history of of movies, man. I don't even. know. I agree I, with I, that. I'm just saying that, like. I think it the sucks, bar dude. I can't even watch the original Star Wars because the graphics are horrible. Like I always look for the string on the fucking <laughs> Death Star. Like, well, it just it just it kills it for me. Like fortunately, old you don't you don't have those kind of effects in uh, you know in Casablanca. But I just think I like it because Humphrey Bogart I think is cooler than all of like the James Bond characters put together. Oh yeah yeah yeah. And but that's also just because he's pissed off all the time in that movie and like totally standoffish to everyone yeah isn't I, it a love story yeah uh, kind of like they wave in the plane and it's a love story but like but it's like him it's like a loner story yeah it's about a loner like finding love but letting it go to like for her sake kind of like that's his expression of love is like hey you get on the plane kind of deal I, I guess I gotta watch this movie yeah it's a good movie I'm, I mean putting on my number one number though. one that's though? like people that say like Citizen Kane's their favorite movie I immediately know that I have nothing in common with him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's get back to True Romance. All right. True Romance has the greatest cast of any movie of all time. All right. So, and it's a Tarantino movie. All right. So, Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken, Val Kilmer, James Gandolfini, fucking Patricia Arquette, Christian Slater, Lawrence Fishburne, Gary Oldman. Who am I missing here? Um, I don't know. Fucking Balky Bartakamus from fucking. And what year did this movie come out? 
in the early nineties. Yeah, like early, maybe nineteen nineties. Brad Pitt. Okay. Fucking uh, Michael Rappaport. <clears throat> I mean, dude, this movie is fucking awesome. And there is a scene. Everyone loves the scene between uh, fucking um, what's in Heat. Right yeah. between De Niro and, and Pacino. Pacino. Yeah, the only They're time like, they meet. The, the only time they meet. This is like one of the greatest movie scenes of all time. No, no, no. There is a scene in this in True Romance between Dennis Hopper and Christopher Walken that, in my opinion, is the greatest movie scene of all. Like the two of them on screen together blows the fucking De Niro Pacino heat scene out of the fucking water. Um, <clears throat> in any event, I think the movie I, like. Yes, I am no, incredulous when people have, have not seen the movie, including you, Derek Carver. Yeah, I, I have. have I'm thinking. I'm like, I like Forrest Gump. No shit. Uh, I have true I like Saving Private Ryan on a thumb drive that's in my briefcase. So there's going to be this one moment where it's like everyone's sitting there, and and he's going to get a wild hair and be like, "Man, if only we had True Romance." And I'm going to be that shining, you that know, that, that knight I, that I like comes this, over I the like this preparation. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, "Hey, man, how about a raise?" You know, <laughs> <laughs> I got the goods. Coming through in the clutch. Yeah. Uh, True romance. Just, I don't know, for anyone that hasn't seen it, have you seen it? I have not. What? No, I know. Dude. I'm one of those people. What's your you what is your favorite movie, Derek? I, don't, I have to go by genres. I'm that guy that overthinks questions like that. Like, right, well, I mean, like, me, Saving Private Ryan's give me a few. awesome. Forrest Gump's awesome. Like, yeah, like, Was Forrest Gump Spielberg? Denzel. Robert Zemeckis. Zemeckis? I think. Yeah, anything. Uh, Den- I'm a huge fan of Denzel just as an actor. A lot of his movies are well done. Uh, I don't have like like if I had to pick like my favorite like comedy then I don't know it's always goes back and forth between like Super Troopers Office Space and like old school because I don't know if it's just because I feel like that's gonna be my life in like thirty years old school is pretty awesome man like if you guys offered me a job I would come here and get a house on campus just to have that life I, you know, you know what, what? I mean? at Duke, isn't it where were they at in real life what university it wasn't Duke was it. Uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't know, know where it was. Oh, I can find that out. Okay. When I moved to awesome. Chapel Hill, I moved here in September of 2005, and I lived on campus um, near the medical school, and I was on my street. I was probably one of the only people that wasn't either undergrad or mostly graduate students. Um, there were a bunch of lesbians across the street from me. Do we have to rewind that? No. That had a band called Boner Machine. Um, That's the greatest band name ever. Is, right? um, none of them knew how to play any instruments. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right? But they still like managed to play at coffee shops and stuff. Uh, they, were, they, were, they were fucking cool cats. Um, but uh, that was a short-term lease. It was like a five-month lease because this guy had just finished renovating this house and he wanted to get it back on like the, the renting cycle you know, for the school year. And uh, when I looked to move into a new place, it was bet- I was torn between two houses. There was another house on campus that was right next to this house that all these seniors from a fraternity had rented. So it wasn't like the fraternity house, but it was like right. That's where they all hung the guys out. Guys that like had left the fraternity house senior year. And when I went to go look at it, there was like a fucking mound of sand, like a six foot tall mound <laughs> of sand in the front yard, because they were gonna throw like a fucking beach party that night, like Absolutely. in the backyard. And sand was, foam, whatever, man. Right? <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, and I was like, man, part of me was like, all right, man, you know, like this is this is the fucking this is your last hurrah, you know? Another part of me was like, man, like this <laughs> You're too old for this, this shit. Yeah, like this would be cool for like a week maybe and fucking t- two weeks into it on like a Tuesday night, you know, like it's just it's gonna be 
a fucking nightmare of, you know, like not being able to sleep. My, you know, my, one of my dogs is going to get out and like kill some fucking drunk kid that's trying to like break into my house thinking he's in the, the other place. Right. You know, like just So you're like, this is your moment of like <clears throat> realizing you've grown up as a person. Yes. And that, uh, that coincided with going out one night in Chapel Hill. It's so I'm like 27 years old at the time. I remember walking into this bar on campus. It was like all undergraduates. And it was like me and a couple of guys I worked with walked in and like it was like the fucking record stopped. You know, it was like, who are the fucking creepy old guys? I'm like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> I like, dude, walked up to the bar and it was like parting the fucking Red Sea. You know what I mean? Like, just like all these people just like moved. I'm like, dude, what do I, like, do I fucking have like a fucking penis on my forehead or what? It's like, no, nah, man, you just fucking, just fucking creepy yeah. old guy hanging out in a fucking college bar. Like, old? Fuck 27. At that time, I knew it was. Uh, I was like, all right, man, gotta give up the fucking give up the ghost, you know. Well, there was, yeah, there was those guys. I was in a fraternity in college and University yeah. of Texas. So and there was, was these alumni <laughs> that would just like come by, and there was two age. There was, there was like three tiers of them, right? There yeah. was guys that were like in their mid to late twenties, kind of <laughs> like you were now. Like they just got their job and started. They're close by, so yeah, they're still connected. And that was like. The, eh, that was like, on the, it, like the, the, the and the, the how close they were in age. Yeah. I feel was like a creepy, like inversely correlated how creepy it was. Yeah, because like the older they were, the less creepy it got. Because then you're like, all right, dude, you're just like hanging out. Like we had this old yeah, guy just coming back for a weekend to fucking party. Well, that's right? like yeah, exactly. homecoming week. Like the fifty plus year old guys come back and bro out. And we had guys, yeah, they're forty, they got kids, and they're showing up to like swing a hammer or clean up or like you know have some like bro time with the make, with the the young guys. Make a donation and yeah. men- <laughs> and mentorship. You know, sure. guys that are like, I'm an attorney or I'm Network. a doctor. Like, yeah. here's how you do it. Like the real thing that you would think an attorney fraternity would provide. I mean, I was in a shitty fraternity, so it didn't provide a lot of that. But we had this a couple of old dudes that would come around and drink like every weekend. One of them was named Jimbo, the guy named Mickey, and they hated each of other. Course, of course, Jimbo, <laughs> Jimbo and Mickey. And they had like a decades-long feud between the two of them, so they would always be drinking. One of them would drink Jameson, that would M- Mickey. The other one would drink Crown Royal, and they would just be in separate rooms of the house for like... And just and they would never ever who was ever, cooler Jimmy or Mickey? Oh man, Jim or was Jimbo. way cooler. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mickey was like a guy that was like trying too hard to like have the kids like still feel like he was relevant. But neither one of them ever talked to a girl, right? They never like tried to be like, hey, what's up? Like they were just talking with the guys. They had their own thing going on, but that was like the way they connected. And and Jimbo was like assistant dean of like Texas A and M or something, right? He. He had been working in academia his whole life, so it made sense that he was around. Mickey, not so much, but um, <laughs> but the guy. But then the guys that were like twenty five, twenty six would be in there, and they'd be like macking on college girls and shit. And you're like, hey, bro, like it's weird. This is our yeah. And you're just a little like it's just and your culture changes, right? Like when you're in, after college income. Yeah, you've got a you've got a, a, a an apartment and you've got a car and you've got a nine to five job and you've. You know, you might even have like a long-term girlfriend that you've been dating, but now you're like hanging out at the at the frat house. Like, I think so, it depends on if they graduated or not, too. Like, yeah, the big dudes time. that didn't graduate were just stuck there. The dudes that graduated, they, we didn't get a lot of the 25 year olds coming back to hang yeah. out. Yeah, the, the dudes that didn't graduate, they're like ghosts, right? Yeah, like well, that was, that they're was like they're like they're like <clears throat> constant reminders of what happens if you fuck up in college. Right? Well, that I mean? was me. I mean, they definitely told me to leave at one point. But oh, I got expelled from my first university, so um, I'm not like I'm. But an and asshole. that and that was the only guys that were like less creepy. I'd say were guys that had like partied too hard their first two years, had dropped out of school, gone and worked for five or six years, and 
gained the discipline necessary to go back and also realize like, oh yeah, that degree, that's going to come in right. handy in my line of work. So then they come back and, and restart their junior year and live in the fraternity house because they're freaking poor and it was ultra cheap to live there. And those guys were cool, like because they were actually going to they're class, in, right? Their lifestyle like, was still <clears throat> a part of our lifestyle. So, how do you feel about like? Because I'm going back to school. If I went back to school and just studied some bullshit undergraduate degree, and I pledged a fraternity at 34, would that be weird? I would love to see you. Yeah, man. Like, I would do a documentary on that. I was like, Eric Carver, <laughs> frat boy. Like, like, I don't know. I like Kappa Sigma. Here I go. You know what I mean? Honestly, like, I don't know. Like, nah. I do know we had some older guys that had rushed our fraternity yeah. that were coming back in. But to be honest, I, like I've I've talked to dozens and dozens of veterans that have gone back to school and done their undergrad and all of them wanted absolutely nothing to do with undergraduates. Like nothing, you know, they're like, yeah. "Hey man, I thought it was going to be like a completely like, different place." Like, yeah, and I thought that it was going to be like the movie Old School, like I was going to be the guy cuz I had money or whatever. I'm medically retired, so I've got like a paycheck coming in and I'm on the GI bill. So I'm going to have way more cash on these kids. I'm going to rent this sweet house. Like, you know, and it, we can have parties and just like relive the 20s that I missed when I was in the military, you know, and I was in Afghanistan or Iraq <laughs> doing the shit. And then they get there and they they set all that up and then they go to class and they're like these fucking retards. It's not a, t- <laughs> yeah. it's not a time machine. These man. idiots. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not, really not. It's like, not a time machine. No, and they're like, man, I'm in class. And you don't realize like when you there is you no one feels older, wiser, or more responsible than a fucking nineteen year old. Right? Like yeah. you're like, man, I know everything there is to know. Well, look like, at I'm one taking of them just philosophy like, three oh two. Dude, I'm reading about freaking the categorical imperative. You know, you're like, dude, you know nothing about the world. No, I fucking know everything. No, but we listen to children now in society. Like, we've given them a voice. Well, sure, because of marketing. You know, like the the... the the, the ad agencies in the 1960s realized that if you like pander nothing to nothing but young people, then you like capture a customer for their life. So you just like, who cares if we're picking up a customer in their 60s? They're going to die if we get them in there when they're 18. <laughs> so you elevate those people up onto a pedestal. But not to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, so like these kids feel like, man, I know everything. And, you know, <laughs> a guy that's been, you know, an officer or, what, or whatever in grad school or a guy that's an undergrad now. Uh, that you know has like seven or eight combat deployments and has worked a real job for a decade or more, is hanging out with these kids and you know it, it's it, it's, it's hard just not. to take them serious. Well, and it's 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 just like you said, man. You're just totally different mental space, and and they're kind of like I talked about the creepiness. There's an inverse correlation with how many years older you are than the age of eighteen. And how much you think you know, you know, like every year, I think I know less than the year prior. Yeah, but not that's more. like that's just that that goes that works both ways because I've seen a lot of guys like even transitioning now, like getting out of the army, like it's all about relative experience and depends on what you want to do. Yeah. So it's like you think you get guys who think that their experience translates into something in the civilian world, and it doesn't. But then again, on the other hand they also don't know how to market their experience very well. Well, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking more about just like a- as a as a human creature, right? Your 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 personality and your uh the way you attack problems. Like I've read that basically all of that halts around 25. Like the person that you are at age 25 is pretty much the person you're going to be for the rest of your life. So before then, you're still creating habits and you're still creating mm-hmm. ticks and you're still creating personal life. Certainly small changes can happen as you as you age based on the responsibilities that life throws out at you. But you know, you have kids or whatever. And it's like, oh, I can't like sleep on the couch all day. I got to like mm-hmm. do this. But 
you're just in a different spot, you know, and, a, and an 18 year old, 19 year old kids tr still trying to figure out life. They're experimenting with yeah. stuff. And it's just weird being around that when you're in the thick of it and you're 18, it seems as natural as what could be. I so. think after your 20s is when life gets confusing because everybody kind of has the same pattern, like through middle school, through high school. Everybody has the, the same problems like bullying was a problem back in the day, just like it is now. So it's all the same shit. Going through college is the same shit. And then like when you're 25 from 22 to 25 is when you're really trying to figure out who the fuck you are. You're making mistakes, but you're like on your path. And then like 20, 25 to like 28 is your time to like get into kind of a rhythm and, and like actually establish yourself. And then yeah. after 28, you just maintain that and, and, and figure out kind of where your life's going. And, and it's a normal course. I think like if you're like t over 28 and you're still doing like under 24 like five type things you're like it just seems creepy yeah you're just like you're kind of like that guy dude like that's yep. it's just it, the guy <laughs> from <laughs> fucking days and confused <clears throat> yeah you know yeah. you're absolutely right man unless you're like in that it, like it's weird i know some people that are kind of just by the nature of their business they're either club owners sure, or that's bar different. owners or bar like bouncers or security yeah. and dude those guys hate it so you know can you imagine if you're I was a bouncer like, for six years in college oh, it was a fucking shit show well but that's but it actually Quarter brings beer up, night <laughs> that brings up an interesting point especially seeing what what softly does right it's because you know we we create a product right like for me like i'm the strongest that i've ever been after 30 and and a lot of it probably was the way i was training earlier in my life like i was not I really didn't know what I was doing when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. Like I took my youth for granted, but like, you know, when you look at how people and not to like shift topics off like the college classroom, it's no, like, no, that's it's actually, actually like, it's welcome. But I mean, yeah. like, but when you think about like what we do, right? Like we go to a gym and you know, even like, all right, you know, the CrossFit opens going on right now. Like you look at, you look at the age ranges that are all competing in the same division, like masters for the CrossFit games doesn't start until after 35. You know, so you got you got thirty year olds competing with twenty year olds, right? And it's like, you know, on what level? Like we we all learn a lot as we grow, but we train smarter and we're actually better. Like it's like it's a great feeling to walk into a gym and crush I, a fucking twenty year old. I, I think I was best like my strongest when I was just like, like I gave no fucks and I was fucking shit up on a regular basis. I was probably like thirty three. <clears throat> 30, yeah, 32, 33. Yeah. Like, like that's, and I was strong when I was younger, but I don't. I think it's the way you apply the strength, and then yeah. your ability to control. Like I like, I was always like, I would be like, I remember when I first started competing after I lost my leg, I would just go. I was like, <laughs> we were at the Arnold, and it's the first, it's the first time I've ever competed in front of people, and there's a shit ton of people, and Dale's next to me, and we're going through Linda, which in CrossFit's ten, nine, eight, seven, eight, six, seven, yeah, down to one bench, eight. deadlift, clean. And like the weight was stupid easy for for me coming from a weightlifting powerlifting background, so I'm doing like 225 bench, like 245 deadlift, and like 135 cleans or something, and I, I there was no pacing myself. It was like right. go and you go into you fucking finish or you fucking die, and I, I died. A lot of the sexy videos from that Arnold are like the first three minutes when I was just fucking crushing it, and I was like on round seven, and everybody else is finishing round nine. And then what they cut out was the part where I just threw up all over myself and the person <laughs> next to me. <laughs> so, so like now I think that I'm older. I understand like setting a rhythm, and even though I'm not necessarily winning all the time through the workout, it's it's finishing first. Is that 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 fucking matters? Well, yeah. when you're young too, like you don't give yourself because you feel like you can go and go and go forever. So you yeah. never give your body time to recover. So you're not getting that. You know, it's like that that work plus rest equals results. Like how many of us have like done a morning five mile? PT run like 
drunk as shit or like hungover. super hungover yeah. or whatever. We used to sleep in the car <laughs> for officer mm-hmm. basic course because we'd go to Auburn and party till three in the morning when the bars close and drive back to Banning and do PT. Like, yeah, that exactly. Was standard. But you're hurting yourself like big oh, time yeah, as far as the, yeah. And so if you're older and you're like, man, you know what, you guys, it's a Tuesday night. You're gonna go like crush it downtown the bars. I'm gonna like. Maybe watch my stories. I see a lot of E7s or, and E8s drinking Mountain Dew, smoking cigarettes, crushing fucking dudes on runs. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, that's true, too. Like on a regular basis. Oh, man. It's it's right. Natural recovery is much higher, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, when you're younger, yeah, you, you can be hungover, and it's like, all right, I need 15 minutes to fucking yeah. get Shake the juices off. flowing. Yeah, you crack a beer. Yeah, and now, drink it now I need run. like three days <laughs> to fucking get back to normal. Oh, God, yeah. Hangovers are <clears throat> shit once you're like 30. I don't even yeah. drink because I Yeah, once they hit 25, man. It's got to be a special occasion. Like, you better be getting married, having a fucking baby named after me. Like, it's, fuck that. Fuck that. Yep. Big time, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I question, like... Back in the day, was my baseline just set at a place where it was that much lower, where I was just like, I just accepted feeling like shit all the time, or was it that I really did recover? Oh no, you recovered. It was was both because there's days where you go to class or do what you had to do in college just because you had to do it, but you're not you're not actively engaged. Like you have you have the ability to sit in class and just zone the fuck out and be hungover, whereas now you have to go and perform at work and you can't just zone the fuck out because people are engaging you. But even even going to work though, like when I was 23, 24, and I had like a real job, like I would get I could get obliterated on a Tuesday night and then show up to work at eight on Wednesday. Yeah, and I'm still like chugging the BC powder or whatever, but I'm not like I'm I'm doing my job. But now are I just you be as like, effective though? No, but I think now, that's what we're getting. Now, at. like I would be just like, hey Aaron, I've got I caught a virus. <laughs> I got a doctor's appointment, yeah, bro. I'm, really really bad. Bad. <laughs> I'm just gonna curl up on the couch and die. I'll, I'll be back. I'll, I'll be back Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> the first time, like I knew that my drinking career was coming to an end. The first time I had to take care of two young children with a raging hangover by myself. Like, because you are forced. You cannot, Dude. by law. You I, don't, I don't have that problem. Yeah, I yeah. So I think, I think I had a, I, had a, I got super drunk one night. Um, my, my wife was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll watch the kids. Like, no big deal. You can go out, hang out with your buddies, have a big hurrah. So I got drunk, took an Uber home, crashed. And then my wife is working the next day. And, uh, yeah, we had like a three-month-old or a four-month-old and like a two-year-old. Dude, like there's no let daddy yeah, take man. a nap, you know? <laughs> my, <laughs> that doesn't exist. One of my former bosses, Raul, we had our like company Christmas party on a Friday. I show up to work on Monday, and I was like, man, you still look like, sh- like you look like shit on Monday morning. Like, what the fuck? He's like, man... You don't get it. Like when you have kids, it doesn't matter what time you go to bed. Like they still wake up at fucking six a.m. So you know, you get home at four and fucking pass out drunk. Like your day starts two hours later. Doesn't matter. And that's why I don't have kids because that's like real life. I can't even take care of a fucking dog. I'm not home enough. I don't. I'm not responsible enough. I struggle to take care of myself. No one. No man. Without hopefully sounding like too sexist here. I know very few guys that were like, I need kids. I'm going to be an amazing dad. Like, I mean, I think I'll be an awesome fucking dad, and I'm good with kids. Like, yeah, I love like my nephews you, and Dude, if you had like, kids, you would do it, and you'd do it well. Right. But yeah. I'm not like, I'm not in any rush to get there. No. No, I get it. But, yeah, kids are one of those things that, like, it happens, and then you're just like, 
No one's probably ever really ready for kids. That's that fat, yeah. That was out. That was. I was yeah, like just you're like, you're like let's I'm have like, a baby. And you're like, yeah, okay, like, that's a good no. idea. And then you're like, oh fuck, we have a they're baby. Like, they're <laughs> like, are you ready? And you're like, well, uh, my life is re- ready stable. As I'm yeah. be. It's like well, as ready as I mean, I'm gonna be. I have like, a stable <laughs> job. Your goal, your goalpost moves so many times with kids. Like when I had one kid, I was the first kid. You're like, man, this is fucking hard. Like, yeah, god damn it. And, and then, then you have the second kid. And you're like, man, we had it so easy. When we had one kid. One yeah. And now I just had a third kid. And our, like, when it's just me and the two, the older two, I'm like, this is like cake. You know, yeah. with the third, that's a huge deal. So your 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 goalposts keep shifting, and it's just, it just, but it's it's manageable, you know. Yeah. Because you're old and wise. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, like, there, there's got to come a point in your life where you're like, man, nah, kids, not for me. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, that's they're not for everybody. I mean, no. I'm, yeah, I'm not making an argument that everyone should have kids. I'm yeah. just saying. No, that, I mean, I like the idea of being an uncle because I can have my nephews <clears throat> and do all the cool shit with them and, and then be the done, cool guy. Back. Exactly. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, you shit yourself? Here's your mom. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't have to deal with the, the bullshit side of it. Yeah. Which is always a win. I don't think diapers are as bad as people make them out to be. No, no. but like, I, here's the deal. Like, I've changed dirty diapers before and I wasn't like happy about it. But I did it because it was like family or, you know, step parents. Because it was the right thing to do. Right. But at the same time, I'm not looking forward to it. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm no, not going to lie. Like, if I'm sitting next to my fucking sister in law, like, I'm we're like, looking forward to it. Right. No, like, it is, but, but here's the I'll thing. I'll change his diaper. Here's how I look at it, right? Like, if you go, here's, 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 a, here's a perfect analogy. You go skydiving, right? Which is something I really like. All right. When you show up to the drop zone, you've got to, like, you gotta pack your chute. You gotta do all this. No one likes packing a chute, right? No one likes doing pre-jump checks. Right. No one likes like standing in line waiting around. But you do those things because the jump itself is freaking rad. And it's it's the same thing with like feeding your baby or changing the diapers or whatever. Like the moments that are amazing are so amazing that you're like you, you don't pay even to think play, about right? it. Yeah, I get and that. And that's why like I meet I've met guys that are like, oh, I fucked that. I'm never gonna change a I'm diaper. I'm not saying that. I'm no, just no, saying I'm not. But yeah. I know guys that are like that. And every time, and they they say that to me, thinking like thinking that I'm going to take that as a sign of masculinity, right. like whereas like I'm the master of my castle <laughs> and my wife does all this bullshit and I just get the good benefits from it. And all I can think is like, you sound like a bitch to me. Uh, you sound like a coward. Like you sound like the guy that wants... You just sound like, like a guy that has no idea what's going on. Well, you sound like a guy that wants only the best stuff and isn't willing to put in the work. And that tells me a lot about you. So I'm never going to run a business with you. I'm never going to do... Like there's a lot of things that I'm going to wipe off the list. You like you ran down that rabbit hole for not oh. changing your diaper. Like, I, Dude, like no, there's not, guys... Not, just not changing might just diaper. be immature. Well, maybe. You might just not like, ever have a kid, If you have your own too. kids... I'm talking about guys that have oh, children. Those guys are assholes. No, no, no. These are not that. guys that okay. like, won't change their nephew's diaper. These right. guys that have multiple children at home and they're like, oh, just I'm hands off with all that. My wife handles all of it. And yeah, I'm like, dude, that's bullshit. You yeah, are. That, I mean, you're I, a I think, bag. But let's be fair. Like, I, I imagine women handle like 85 to 90 percent of that. Depends on the house, yeah. man. You think so? Not well, I mean, household. if I was a house husband, I'd be all about that life. I'd, Brian I'd was a stay-at-home dad. Yeah, I was a stay-at-home dad for three years, man. It was freaking rad. I imagine it would be it was awesome. super if rad. If you can multitask and knock out like, like. Well, honestly, honestly, with one kid, there's like nap times and stuff, and like, so I know from this point to this point, and this point to this point during the day, I'm gonna have time to accomplish stuff. Sure. Right, one of those segments, and it really forces you like to get off the couch and like, okay, they're fucking down. Now I can run around. I can like prep dinner, and I can do this, and I can do that, and then I can move on to the stuff I want to do, like send out those emails to my buddies, like lining up that cool weekend or like whatever, or go to the wood shop or do anything. But um, it forces you to be like a very, very good time manager, <laughs> you know. But that's a uh, it's a job that I think a lot of guys. If 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 you are if you're married to a woman that has 
and it produces enough income to do that, and it's super rad. Which yeah. I did. I, I can't imagine a better life. Like I used to be that guy, like super secure about dating chicks and made more money than him. Like I'm totally okay with that shit now. Like you're a doctor, you need me to stay home and take care of the babies. Oh, fuck yeah! I have a super manly apron, usually ranger panties and shit. Usually, <laughs> fucking dinners on the table. Like it can't be that. I mean, it sucks. I'm sure there's shitty days, but it well, can't be. Fucking but there's horrible. never, there's never like. Yeah, man. Like I definitely have guys that I was in the service with that saw my lifestyle from a theoretical standpoint they're like oh so your wife like makes all the money and does she like pay you an allowance I'm like no we're like I wish we're like married right like it's just <laughs> like we just have like a big bank account well, so do, do you have to like ask your permission like I was like well does your wife have to ask permission to do this sort of stuff and that's when it that's when it you could the guys that would ask those sort of questions have that sort of relationship with their wife yeah. you know where it's like well because I make the money I get to make all the rules in the household and that's, uh-huh. that's not how I think the truth is most women control money in most households. That may. Or, I think. May I think that for military, especially. I think like uh, like even me, I would let my wife handle the monetary stuff of my house. Yeah. If I'm like distracted doing other things, and she's like, "I'll do the bills." Like I don't. I suck at paying bills. If my shit's not set up on auto payment, they cancel my they cancel my TV every like sixty days because I forget to pay the bill. <laughs> so I have to call the number so I can like <laughs> so I can re get back up on Spectrum or whatever it is to watch TV again. So that's like I think that's getting more and more normal. So what have you been up to recently? Uh, basically trying, like, hurting myself and trying to recover. Like, I was supposed to have the Arnold come up in March, and uh, I was at a fundraiser event. It's like fundraiser events are, like, I'm not doing any more charity events. Like, I'm done with charity, because I did the Sofleet charity event, and I tore my bicep. It wasn't really a charity event, but... I mean, you know what I mean? It was a charitable-type event. Yes. And then, like, I go to do this fundraiser with mm. Team SAR in Austin, and I blow out my chest. So, like... I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be a selfish asshole about it. <laughs> like I've given my body steadfastly yeah. rejects altruism. I, I'm like I can't train till May. Like I don't know what people do in like real life if they don't go to the gym because there's like legit 24 hours in a day. And I'm a guy that would train for four to six hours a day and split it like eight to 12 hours apart. And you could get work done in between. And I find myself sitting at home like bored out of my fucking mind. I've tried yeah, what to are read. You, what are you doing now, man? I try to read. I try to meditate every day. Um, uh, you How's know, the meditation going? It's not as consistent as I want it to be. It's hard for me to focus just because, like, normally I would meditate before the gym to help kind of relax and clear my mind. Now I just kind of meditate, and then I, like, find that I have nothing to do after I meditate. You know what I mean? I try to meditate a little longer, and it's just with TM, you get your 20, 30 minutes. But, like, for me, it's just once I come out of it, I'm not going back into it. TM meaning transcendental meditation? Yeah. And what does that entail? I know nothing about it. Um, uh, I took I took the class and learned the technique um, last year, some late last year, sometime. And basically, it's it's instead of most meditation where you're trying to like, what is it? You're like uh, clearing your mind and mm-hmm. like focusing. This is more of like a physical engagement with your body. You go a little bit. I like I tend to go really deep into like focus, but not on any one particular thing. Like thoughts kind of come and then they kind of go, and it's just. You're you're more in that like moment in your not necessarily in your head but in yourself. Sure, I'm not like the best guy because I'm still a bro. Like I like I tell people all the time, I'm not like the best to explain like smart guy stuff. Like I just kind of do what works and then kind of like try everything. Like float tanks are legit, especially if you get a little bit of a. Elevator. So you've done one of the sensory deprivation tanks yeah, with all the, the salt def- and shit. Yeah, and you float around and like you get a little bit, you get a little bit like you know elevated before you go into that thing. You get a little different experience. So it's just like. You do what works, and you try everything. That's kind of, and that's how I got into meditation and stuff. Um, it, part of the recovery, I start physical therapy next week, 
And then like at this point, I'm just focusing on diet. I can't train. I, I'm trying to lean out. So I'm like on a hard keto diet and I'm trying to get back into that. That's not my favorite to do, but six to eight weeks. And then go back into slowly adding carbs back into like uh, getting ready for maybe an outside shot at Iceland in January uh, in July. Do you think you will compete again? Uh, I don't see any reason why not. Like, like I like not to like talk shit, but like I, like I got hurt, and like when I was competing, I was like whipping everybody's ass so much that I think even coming back from two injuries, I still think I'll be better than them, even if I lose a little bit. Darn. And that's not to be a dickhead, but like, you know, we're doing a like a three sixty five press and they're getting like four and five reps, and I'm getting like eighteen to twenty one. Right. So like if I can only get sixteen or t- even if I can only get ten, I'm still still beating them. So uh, we'll see how well it comes back. The doctor that did it twenty one uh, repetitions of three hundred and sixty five pounds? I think it was three sixty five. Jesus Christ. And twenty one. And it was like the down up like on their call and cadence. But wow. like, I broke a lot of the world records oh. the first year in 2006. I was the first American to ever win it since its inception in 2001. So like, I didn't think it was hard. Like I had never done strongman. I showed up at world, the qualifier and I, I, I won that. And then I went to worlds. Like I didn't, I didn't have a coach. I'd never been in a strongman gym. I never fucking pulled a truck before. I just did it. And then now that I've kind of rehearsed it, now it's, there's technique involved and it's better, but just kind of winged it. So I don't know, maybe do a show until oh, wing it bobsledding olympics seem popular right now right i got invited <laughs> to do the the nashville softball team and uh wheelchair rugby team all right so i think that might be legit murder ball is that, I, hey i don't know they say it's fucking awesome there was that documentary murder ball really it, it looked, i'll have to check it out it was a cool cool was it basketball or was it rugby i think it was basketball yeah they said the rugby's but, like straight violent Murder I, ball I mean, was basketball. Yeah. Okay. And it was and it, it is murder ball. It's just like guys in these like souped up, ultralight, <laughs> armored up wheelchairs, just like yeah. crushing each Paraplegics other. Paraplegics have the advantage because like they hit they hit the guys with one legs on their chair, score on their leg, and that's uh, I'm gonna feel that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like <laughs> they're they're not they're gonna roll right through that <laughs> unfazed. Hey so. man. Correction, murder ball was rugby. Was it oh, rugby? Was yeah, rugby? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I just looked it up. Because I want to mm. check it out, because I'll watch that then, because I do want to see what the sport's about. Like, adaptive sports is get, are, is getting more and more visibility and popularity, especially now that the overseas guys, like the British, the Ukrainians and the British have, like, super – the Ukrainians brought, like, 80 athletes to the table last year for one of their competitions, and that's just from, like, the Crimea conflict. Wow. So it's insane. And then you have the Brits that have theirs from, you know, Afghanistan, so it's starting to gain popularity overseas, and then they're starting now. Like, I've, I, I, the only reason I've never been overseas except for a really young, but, like, every time I go overseas, it's to compete now because in Europe, it's it's a big fucking deal. Like, they'll, like they show up to watch it. Yeah. In America, they don't, they don't really give a shit, but it's cool, like, they'll hand clap for you and shit. <laughs> The the one clap yeah yeah just hey that's hey, cool Derek Carver everybody <laughs> golf clap <laughs> yeah and that's not why I do it like a lot of like when it first started seven years ago you could tell who the the crippled is that it's probably not the proper nomenclature you can say whatever you want man. yeah like the crippled people showing up <laughs> you're missing a leg you can say whatever you want <laughs> like the the people showing up would show up and they 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 would uh, some of them you just knew were completely out of their element they were just there to kind of like you know the try I guess and like the sport shouldn't be about trying especially if you're telling people like you're a professional athlete like you, you don't try to be a professional like a professional football player you either are or you right. aren't so so it, I think we've weeded through a lot of that and gotten into more of the elite athletes like you got Zach out there you got the two Logans out there missing arms you got 
you got like legitimate dudes doing legitimate things and it's it, it's catching on and people are starting to pay recognition to it but at the same time like I don't know I just tell people like it's hard to take it real serious because like even though I'm the world's strongest disabled man like you know it's better than being the world's strongest disabled man not being disabled not even <laughs> being eligible for the motherfucking thing you yeah know? so I, I get it and it's like I, I think the problem is people don't take it too serious even the athletes because it's still like I don't know when I like I don't know I look at it and like yeah it's, but you put me next to like fucking the mountain and say there's the strongest able man there's the strongest able body man like yeah significant difference sure so I mean you try not to be a dick about it and you're like you, that's when that you get those people that like oh it's inclusive and then you realize it just kind of waters down the athlete and talent pool in some situations sure yeah because people don't train like we train like the team star athletes train legitimately like very few of them work full time. Yeah. So it's it's just we show up and we podium everything to include international competitions and people are wondering why. It's because we do it full time. Because you treat it like yeah, like a, a job. professional like, job. Like, like, that's thing. our job. Right. Yeah. So I think you got to have that base and foundation in order. Like I don't see it. Like I'm struggling right now not having that foundation and fitness and it's not playing any role in my life other than something to look forward to. So it's hard to adjust to like how normal people live. I guess that sure. don't do it for a living and that's. So it's frustrating. Like I, I get, I'm like annoyed with how much time I have, and I'm not sure how people, how people don't have time, like, to go to the gym, even if you work ten hours a day. Yeah. Have you started tracking the Kardashians? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it just pisses me off. The answer is kids, man. That's that's the answer you're looking yeah. for is why people don't. No, have time. I just spent like five days with my nephews, and there was plenty of time for me to slip away and go to the gym for an hour. Or, or like you said, naps and stuff, daycares. There's daycares at gyms. Like, yeah. you can take infants in there, and they have the people that will be well, account for it. That's actually, I mean, that's actually a really good point because I think a lot of people, and not just you know for one reason or another, like they struggle to find a reason or time to go to the gym. And in reality, like no one has any more time than anyone else. Like right. we all have 24 hours in a day, one way or another. I think, like at least for myself, like if I didn't have something I was working towards. It was a lot harder to go to the gym. Like, I mean, yeah. if you if you don't have a yeah. goal, if you're just like because a lot of people will just work really hard arbitrarily just to work really hard, and then they'll just burn out and be like, "Well, I'm just I'm tired today, and I don't want to go yeah. to the gym." You know, like you you have to be training for something. I think, and and you'll make time. Like, right. I mean, and you and I I mean, as I as I'm glancing out of this glass door, looking kind of like at what we would consider to be normal people, right? You know, like like I I see them. You know, like no one out there is going to be training for like a strongman competition. You know, no yeah. one out there is going to be I training seen for a single set of traps. Outside exactly. Of this I'm room. like, I'm like, so, so people out there, like the normal person is going to struggle because, I mean, and I understand, like, you're right, Brian, like, you know, priorities being family, kids, like that is their goal. You know, their, their goals are not fitness related. Fitness is like a, an ancillary piece of their life that they use to kind of unlock other portions of their life. You know, I want to, I want to be healthy so I can play with my grandkids and like, that's it. You know, yes. like you don't, you don't need the gym, to, you know, walk around the block after dinner with your spouse or kids or something like that. Like you can just do that. But Go to the like, park and like play instead of just watch. Right. I, but I mean like, but I think for, for people like it, depending on what their goals are, like if someone wants to train for a competition, like you're going to train for a competition. Like you're going to need that time and you're going to make that time in your life. So I don't know. That was like, I don't know. That's just, that's my take on like, cause you're right. Like a lot of people they're like, Oh, I don't really have time to go to the gym. I'm like, why would you go to the gym in the first place? 
Yeah, you know, because you then, don't have, you're not training towards anything. Exactly. So like, like, don't that you motivation. just assume that people want to be healthy? Don't you just well, assume? Well, like, sure, no one says I want to die at 40 from a heart attack. Yeah, well, like so. Yeah. Like we all know the ba- well, basic. They learn that the hard way, though. Yeah, like, and they like it's because their doctor tells them after their first heart attack, like, hey, you probably need to change your lifestyle if you want to continue. You know, playing with your grandkids like, well, like that's like, common knowledge. Like, I get that people don't know the ins and outs and like the like the depth that we do, like breaking down micros, macros, and stuff like that. But at the same time, like you know, going to the gym and getting an hour of exercise is better than not doing anything at all. Oh yeah, for sure. Most people understand that, but it's again, it's a calculus of priorities, right? Like I have, I have a a, a, a childcare that lasts ten hours a day. Like that's what I get. It's ten hours a day. I have work that I need to complete within those 10 hours. I have a commute that I need to complete within those 10 hours. But after that's done, like I don't have, like I have to watch my children. So, and the daycares that you described only are open from eight till noon. Nine is, you know what I mean? Four to nine. So like if I'm not in that, I'm at work during that window. So if I wanted to go at 10 PM. Why not? Yeah, I can't because there's well, yeah, right. I watch my kids. Okay. I think she might companies, be you know, companies, I think are picking onto that because if you look at like if you ever go visit like Apple headquarters or Google headquarters, Nike in California, gives their guys it's companies it's working two on hours. It. For oh, for sure. No, they, so if you want to talk about Silicon Valley and perks regarding like the ability to do that with childcare, oh, dude, but like there's not even childcare at UNC Hospital where my wife works. Every yeah. hospital, most every hospital, because if you're a physician, right, and you're on call, you got to be like, well, okay, crap, you called me. It was my day to watch the kids. What, right. what do I do? Could you imagine your doctor right. coming in like they're at the gym and they just took their pre workout and they're like, "Hey, you got a you got a patient, <laughs> <laughs> a patient in the operating room. You got to get to now." And he's like, yeah. "Fuck!" But I think, Girl, like, but I think like, he's like, "Yeah, scalpel." <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, is this the right motherfucker open? Shut up. <laughs> but I think like that's a really good point as far as like you know Chest when you, when you think about like just how much people really try to cram into their day. Like if you have like a legitimate office space that has a gym. In the office space, you know, it's yeah. like, hey, you don't, you don't need all. It doesn't take a lot. And I we're think talking three no. days a week for that. Yeah, it's like you're not. It, like, I mean, people, people think like I think when people look at fitness, they tend to like overload real quick, and they're like, oh man, like I got to spend. Everybody feels like they got to get two, like, three hours. What they see on Instagram within fucking right. two weeks. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, even me being on Instagram and like being in shape, I look, I'm like, God damn, it's like, a hard journey. I get my shit together. So, but I mean, like, I think if you can, if you can create a space where you know, like, I don't know, we have an office space that has a gym and a kitchen. In it, we're so close. Man. I'm like, I'm like, I, I think that's, like, that's that's the right answer. Like, because you'll you'll have like whenever you treat your employees holistically, like you provide multiple facets for it, like you know having lunch every day in the fridge. Like that's that's really awesome because it's one less thing. That's one less moment of my day that I now have to prepare for. Yep. That coming into work, like work is, and I think honestly, like the best jobs in the world are the ones that you feel like. You get to do what you love doing. Like it does, this doesn't feel like work. Yeah, well, you know what I mean. Yeah, of like course. this feels. But I mean, we're not all that lucky. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, sometimes people say that and I disagree because, like, I I remember when I was younger and lifting. Like that's how I would go and relax and get shit off my chest and just like get in my own head and listen to music and focus on the weights. And now I feel like because I have to get ready for competitions or I feel like I got to like play a certain role. It I feel like this stress uh, kind of, yeah, like that, I think the grind, the, the grind is the best way to put it. Cause when you're like four weeks out, two weeks out, you're like, shit, I actually got to go. Like I'm going to be put on display and that's when the stress comes in. So now like, what do I do to relax? Because like I used to lift and now I do that yeah. professionally. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's funny because that we, you know, that was, that was one thing that we kind of touched on a lot, like, especially in our, in our programming. I know George is probably, hopefully one day we'll be listening to this podcast, but you know, 
training training is stress. Like like stress is stress. Like stress is accumulation right. of like physical and emotional you know disturbances to your homeostasis. So there's good and bad stress. Oh yeah, no, and absolutely. good levels of stress to maintain. Absolutely, and you need you need an acclimation to a certain level of sure. stress in order to deal effectively with not. I mean. With life in general, well, and stress is what creates change, correct? Right? Correct. Mm. Posi- positive or negative, right. right? And it's like you know, and I think for a lot of people who they have these massive like training goals, like eventually, like once once they make that turn between man, this is like really fun to like, oh, geez, like this is like now Fuck, stressful. Gotta, yeah. It's like that's like you need you need to like stop and like if you can if you can refocus some of that energy and like try to walk into the gym with that positive mindset and just hey, this is something that like. I enjoy doing like I enjoy powerlifting or I enjoy weightlifting like that's what will continue to make you progress at your sport as opposed to because as soon as you start feeling like it's a chore yeah that's when it starts getting knocked off the uh well, not if you do it for, for a sure. living because like well, right, I'm not, not walking not out on, do it for a living. I'm not walking out on stage and not winning like but I mean he means like guys like that are yeah, like, like, I mean like guys, yeah. guys yeah. like that out there like <laughs> as soon as as soon as they start viewing the gym as part of their to do list and when their to do list gets too long like you just watch it slowly yeah. well start it's, to that's down true to like when I own gyms the first thing to go when money gets tight is like the hundred and fifty dollar a month gym membership yeah because no one gives a shit about their fitness for hundred fifty dollars a month if money's tight yep sure. No, but that's it. Just kind of, tr- I have no plan. Maybe grad school, maybe moving to a different city. I'm not sure if I'm sold on Charlotte. So we'll see. I don't know. My life's not as exciting or sexy right now because I'm not like jet setting. I'm not like. It's not all boners IG. and karate. Yeah, I'm not like banging IG models on the regs and like doing big events with people. Don't tell the Instagram followers that. Yeah, like, well, they, I just assume that's like they have to common continue. knowledge. They just shattered Ooh, the no, illusion. Damn. <laughs> like, mystique. You guys, oh, you guys. Gosh. I thought that's so. what you were doing right after this yeah, podcast. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I, that's Who's how. that rapping at the door? Right? I'm just waiting outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm excited to see what comes next, man. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to be a part of the team. And, like, uh, I, I use the – I'm still – I'm back on the stamina programming so I can get less soft. So the rowing aspect of it all, people bitch about it, but that's all I can do. I feel bad that I can't run the five miles or whatever it was the other day. So <laughs> – it's all good, man. I don't. I don't. <coughs> My don't. running does. <laughs> running breeds cowardice. Running, I was like, running breeds cowardice. Do you think that, like, do you, do you, <laughs> so true. Do you think, like, 10,000 years ago, like, there was Neanderthal standing there, with, and it, like, the animals started running, and they were like, fuck, dude, we gotta chase this fucking <laughs> Like, do you think it's been, like, human species have always hated running, or do you think that's just, like, no, a they new used to thing? love it. They used they, to love it. They, they, like, they were like, built for it, right? Well, yeah, humans used yeah. to, humans used to be endurance hunters. They used to like, literally chase down your prey. Yeah, because deer can't cool themselves down, like, they have to physically slow down where we can sweat. <clears throat> that dude in uh, Siberia, that Siberian family that was uh, like, you know, fled yeah. with, with the propaganda that they found. Did you guys hear about this? No. no. So there was this this family. You know what I'm talking about, Brent? Yeah, man. Yeah, this family that they found in Siberia. This is, I'm not going to go into the whole thing. But uh, basically these dudes had like fled Russia after World War II under the propaganda that like, you know, hey, you got to go into hiding. And the the patriarch of the family was like, when it's safe to come out, they're going to let us know. But, like, no one knew that these guys were, like, fucking hundreds of miles into, like, the middle of nowhere in Siberia. And this yeah. So it's like that Japanese soldier on the fucking island for 60 yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And, yeah, for decades. And, uh, you know, these research guys, like, were, like, flying over the area. And it was like, holy fuck, there's a house down there. And uh, long story short, they go down and they meet this family. The son had chased he had ran after a fucking deer for two days to get meat for the family two days he ran after a fucking deer and then 
he had to carry the shit back home, right? <laughs> so, and that's why like, we have soft fleet programming. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. And he was on the stamina program. Yeah. 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 Apex program. Well, it's crazy. Right? That's how we, and that was our founder. He was yeah. just about to run out of Endure when he finally caught up to the deer. Yeah, yeah they, 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 we're actually, but. human beings are better at carrying load distances than horses are. That horses just can do it. They can more carry weight, more yeah. weight, and they. But yeah, if you're trained for it, you can throw it's out like a pound pack. for pound, and it will yeah. fuck all yeah. of us up. That's right, pound for pound. Anyway, uh, cool factoid of the day. <laughs> cool <laughs> we'll, story, we'll, bro. <laughs> right, <laughs> let the podcast there, Derek. Thanks for coming <laughs> to join us, man. No, I appreciate it. Hope we can do this again. Yep. For everyone out there, thanks for listening. Coming at you live from Soft Lead HQ. We will catch you next week. <laughs>